Hi, welcome to Calvary HSM. We exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. We hope you enjoy this podcast. All right, well, welcome to our first 5 p.m. service of 2023, everybody. Awesome, awesome. Make sure you guys grab a seat wherever there is one empty in front of you. If you're worshiping with us in the room or online and you're seeing me for the first time, my name is Aaron Kajum. I serve as a high school pastor. And we exist as HSM to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. Amen. Amen. This is where we are. So we're about, this is what we do. And that's our plan today as we kick off the beginning of this year. Guys, this is a unique set of Sundays. In fact, uh, looking at our calendar for the next few years, if you guys don't mind just cutting off that uh, smoke and whatnot, I don't start floating over here, is that this will be the only Sunday we have in this like, like set of years till 2033. Between now and 20, guys, it's, it's, woo. I should talk like this then. All right, cool. There's no feedback at that level. 2033. Just kidding. Here we go. Are we good? Praise God. Uh, 2033 will be the next time when we will actually have a Sunday on New Year's Day. So savor it. You are the generation that enjoys a Sunday. Ooh, there's another one. I might, I might grab the handheld if it keeps going on like that. But uh, as we begin this year, we're actually talking about what it means for us to be welcomed home and how God has called us back to himself. At the beginning of the year, everyone has these new things they want to put in place, new uh, resolutions. Uh, and I want to walk through some of those with you. Is the feedback still feeding back? Yeah? Two minutes? Okay, if it doesn't... Yeah, cool. What's going to happen is in, uh, in this year, what, we, what happens is we usually set up a bunch of New Year's resolutions, and we tend to fail the, like next week, third week, fourth week, fifth week, who knows, depending on where you are. But I want to walk with you through Romans chapter 8 as we begin this year, showing how God is not done with us yet. And so for many of us, like I said, our resolutions are many. For some of us, one, we want to lose Weight, yes, anyone in the room want to lose weight? I don't want to lose a few pounds, obviously, praise God. Guys, I need to lose some weight, y'all, I'm 31. I need to, like, we're going to winter camp and summer camp. I need to run with y'all, you're young bucks, man. I need to have this. I cannot even get sturdy because, anyway, all I'm trying to say is I need to lose some weight. Maybe that's for you, right? Or uh, for other people, you may need to read more books. Your resolution is that this year you want to spend more time in the Word of God or just read general books. I recommend books by Frank Peretti, awesome author, right? He writes books like This Present Darkness. Like these are actual really good books outside of the Bible, right? And for others, you want to have more friends. You want to make more friends to have deeper relations. We believe here in our church that life change happens in the context of relationships. For others, you want to, for some of you really, you want to stop watching porn, real stuff. It's amazing. You want to have a season where you stop that. You want to stop being ungrateful. In fact, you want to be more thankful. All of us have these resolutions that we begin at the beginning of the year. And if you look for answers in other places, normally what we do is we look at our world, look outside for these answers. We look inside of ourselves for these answers. And I remember when I, I looked up and I was preparing for this message, Corey Tim Bloom, 
Uh, she's a lady who her family spent a lot of time uh, helping rescue Jews who were being killed uh, and being taken away and put in consecration camps. What she said about looking inside and outside and looking up sounds like this. She goes, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. One more time. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. This is what happens. Ultimately, when you look all around us, you realize the world is in chaos. Now, many times we look about the New Year's, the New Year's uh, party in New York, right, and the ball drops, all that stuff. But after that ball's dropped and everyone's gone back home, can you imagine what it looks like after in, like, Times Square, after all that craziness? It is chaotic. It is wild. And for many of us who are trying to navigate our lives through high school, through relationships, through our friendships, through all the frivolities, all the fun things of life, how do we do that in a world that is full of chaos? In fact, Paul recognizes this chaos in Romans chapter 1. He says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what they, what they know about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. What he's saying is this. Our world is wild and in chaos. And it's not that we don't have the solution. Like I know the way for me to actually hit my goal of losing weight is actually what? Working out. Brother, look at me. I need to work out. I need to, like, fix a diet. Like, if I want to read the Bible more, I need to commit to grab that Bible reading plan and, like, cross out the four chapters I read one day and the next day and the next day. I think I like that actual tactile satisfying cross out. That's me. Like, I need to actually put that into practice. But what I do instead is I suppress that truth because I want to get my way. And so I'm going to go and grab another donut. I'm going to go do my own thing and then say, I'm going to sleep in a little bit more. Now, those things are not necessarily sin or horrible, but they stop me from reaching my goal that God has set for me. That is good. See, the world is in chaos. And what the the truth is, we actually don't want the truth. We suppress the truth. We know what is right, but we say, no, I push that down to do my own thing. And to quote Kanye when he was on, the show Sway. You guys ever watched that show? He goes, you don't have the answers, Sway. You don't have the answers. Now we know later on that, yes, Sway actually had the answers, right? But the reality is we actually do not have the answers. We think that the world has the answers, but the world is as confused as we are. They're trying to figure out what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a man, what it means to, like, when does actually a child begin? Like, where does that begin? When does life begin? Everyone is confused. Who made this word? When did it actually begin? Everyone is still confused. They can't even explain yawning, okay? Like, you can Google that on your own time. No one can explain what even yawning is. The world is wild, and we suppress this truth. I believe that, that God has the answers. In fact, let me just lay out some things the world says, and you guys can just walk through this with me, right? The first one is this. The, the world says about our worth, that your worth is found in, anyone? Your worth is found in? Social media, your worth is found in? Your parents, interesting. Your worth is found in? Sports, your worth is found in? Money, all these different things. But all those things come and change. They fly under the radar, they die. Like It's a whole mix of emotions. Like a few weeks ago, people's Bitcoin, which is the biggest thing ever, just tanked. Some guy stole all the, you guys heard about that? 
Go Google this in your own time, y'all. Like, it's wild. It's wild. This is what's happening in our world. These things don't matter. They don't hold our worth. The world says that social media is, what is social media? Fake. Social media is fake. Social media is? Toxic, or where even people believe social media is where our friends, and yet in this world, it's the most disconnected generation. We're all connected on Facebook, Be Real, Snapchat, all these different things, but we don't really know each other. We don't know each other. You don't even know your neighbors, and you live next to them for what, 10, 15 years? That's insane. Religion is, what do the world say about religion? Religion is? Religion is? False. Religion is? It's gaslighting, it's difficult, it's all these different things. The world says that God is? God is dead, God is fake, God is not real. The world has all these things that it puts in our mind. What does it say? The Bible says, or not the Bible, let's go back. The world says Santa is, just kidding, let's leave Santa, please. Leave Santa alone. Some of you guys are going to, like, later on, cancel Aaron. Santa, we love Santa. Okay, moving on, right? I believe that in all these things that Jesus is the actual answer. That he's the answer to all of our needs. The world may have its answers, but Jesus has always been the answer to all of our who's, our why's, and our what's. And in Romans 7.24, we see Paul begin to look, turn from looking outside to the world, to all the chaos of the world, to look inside of himself. So, so some of us, really, our, our position is that in this new year, I'm just going to muscle through this. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to read my Bible on my own. I'm going to drop those pounds on my own. I'm going to get that guy to like me. I'm going to, all these different things. You have all these things in your mind. And you look inside of yourself to figure it out. And so what you do is you end up doing all these like God-level selfies. Like God's looking at you. This is God's view right here. Boom. Post it. Maybe they'll like me. I don't know. Like you have all this stuff going in your mind. You look inside of yourself for it. And Paul, when he looks inside of himself, what does he say? He says in Romans 7.24, he goes, What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? He looks inside of himself for the answers, and he can't find the answer. He has no solution. He says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And if you're honest, like I'm honest with myself, what needs to die inside of myself? When I look inside of myself, I'm disappointed with where I am and how I am. Like, I spend so much money on photo and video gear that I don't even need. Some of you guys have gone on photo trips with us and be like, Aaron, why do you have all this stuff that you don't even use? I have a problem. I have a problem. And I need to be honest with myself to look at myself and where I am and be like, dude, like, you need to pause on your need and your greed to gain things and hold on to things and learn to be more generous. Maybe it's that I'm greedy or I'm stingy and I've been posturing as a person who's gracious. Like, where are you when you look inside of yourself? See, Michael Jackson always talks about how looking, up, like, it starts with the man in the mirror. How does that song go? I'm talking to the man in the What if you don't like the, 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 the image you see in the mirror? Like, what if you don't like what you look at in the mirror? Like, what do you do then? At that point, what is the next step? Maybe you look inside and you're like me and you don't like what you see. You're disconnected. You're like away from yourself. What Paul does and what you should do and what I am learning to do practically right now, learning to do, is turn my eyes up to God. In Romans, in Romans 7, 25, 
He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Instead of looking inside himself deeper, he turns his eyes to God who has the answers. Paul looks up to God. He goes, I don't have the answers. They don't have the answers. That guy doesn't have the answers. No one has the answers except you, Lord. And in Hebrews 12, 12, he says, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher in the NIV, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. We look to him. We focus on him because he has the answers. He has the way. And he says, therefore, Romans 8, 1, because what happens next is this. Once you realize that you don't have the answers and the weight of who you are is weighing down inside of you, and you, for some of us, we look at ourselves and we get so disappointed that we get depressed. That's what he says. He says, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't need to wear that on yourself. That in the first week, the second week, Aaron, you missed working out. What the heck? You're a slob. You ate a donut. Like, it's not that real. It's crazy, right? He goes, back up, back up, back up. Like, hold on. And what he's talking about in context is not just, like, losing weight. He's not talking about, like, uh, porn hub. He's not talking about smoking weed. He's not talking about all these different things. He's talking about your salvation that is secure with God. He's looking at something different. See, the issue with us is an issue with sin. That's the issue. The underlying issue is an issue with sin. Like I said, it might be my greed. It might be my stinginess. It might be like I'm trying to have a false humility to posture to be something that I'm not. Where are you with this? What is your sin? What are you holding on to? Because ultimately that thing will free you to be who God wants you to be once you identify it. More than a new year, God in Christ wants to make a new you. It's a new you, a new person, fresh out the bag. You guys are opening a fresh Ziploc bag, and like you guys don't have this experience. I grew up in Uganda. When they brought Ziploc bags over, when missionaries and stuff would come over, we'd open up that bag. It smells like America. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. It's this weird smell of like fresh, cool air conditioning. It's just very weird. It's very weird. But like, it's new, new. New, not old, not like what, like a, a photocopy, no, a whole new person. Christ is trying to make a new person. And what happens is that God allows us to have these seasons. These seasons of like New Year, for example. A New Year allows us to recognize that God, not sponsored, um, that God allows for us to have a new season. A new year allows us to recognize that God is giving us new mercies. He's resetting. In fact, he says in the word that his mercies are new every morning. Why do you have these resets? To remind us that God has mercy and grace for every single day. There's a verse that says that don't worry about tomorrow. Every day has a trouble for its own. Every day has its own trouble, which means what? Every day equally has its own particular grace. Every day has its own particular mercy. And he gives us this new reset. Why? Not that you might fall down and go back to sin, that you, that you fall down and go back to be ungrateful and disrespectful to your parents and willing to, like, backbite your friends. No, he gives you that reset so you can run the race that he set before you and win. He wants you to win. Yeah. 
God doesn't want you to lose. He wants you to win. Now, this is not, again, like a, I'm trying to give you a speech to be like, God wants to be a better person. No, he wants you to win. He wants to be like him. Romans 8.28 is ranked the fourth favorite verse in the Bible. Like, there's John 3.16, there's Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, there's Jeremiah 29.11. There's a bunch of them, right? But number four, Romans 8.28, this is where we are today, focusing today. It says this. And we know that in all things, God works for good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. One more time. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He says, and we know. He's convinced. He's certain. He's sure. There's a lot of things that I'm not sure of. I don't know if tomorrow I'm going to wake up or not wake up. I have no confidence. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. You don't know if you're going to somebody. I don't even know if you're going to school tomorrow. And it's going to be Monday, the second day of the year. Like, somebody's like, I'm not going. I'm, I have, I'm not going. I'm just choosing not to go to school, Aaron. Chill. Like, you have no, we have no idea about the weather. We don't know if our friends are going to be friendly with us tomorrow. We don't know if we're going to be in that relationship again. Like, the next month, the next week, we have no idea whatsoever. We don't know when our parents are going to stop fighting. You have no idea. But I want to give you this word as, a, as, a, as an encouragement. That when there are things that you don't know, hold on to the things that you actually do know. What do you do know? What then can you hold on to? What is your confidence in the midst of the uncertainty? What can you hold on to? Which is why we always encourage you guys to hold on to the word of God, to read it, to eat that book, tear it up. Let it be sweeter to your mouth than honey. Like, take on this word. It says this in Romans 8.28, again, that we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The word, actually all things work together. Work together is actually one word, which is synergio, which is where we get our word synergy. That all things are in synergy. They are working together. They are active. They are moving on behalf of God's perfect will. All things in your life are in synergy for God's good and perfect will. The question is, do you trust him? That's the question. Because all things are working together. All things are working together. I think about my last year, how my brother passed away, how we had to move again. Oh, my gosh. I've moved, I think, about eight times in about, what did it, 2010? 20, 24, eight times in about four or five years. That's a lot of moving. That's like, that keeps you broke. Full disclosure. Every time you move, you put money down, right? Every time you move, you have to buy a new something. You got to get rid of something. Like, God, why all this stuff? I remember, like, like losing our first, like, child. Wild. All these things. Where, where are all these things happening? Like, we fostered, and then these foster kids were taken away. Like, all this pain. Like, all these things are happening. But God says, all these things are working together to make me a better Christ follower. That's what's happening. And I look back and I'm like, oh gosh, now I can have conversation and empathy with, with people who are way above my age and talk about having kids as, as if I've had them. Like, I've, we've had so many conversations and things where God has used those moments to help shape my understanding of what it means to love as a father and as a, a parent would. He works all these things. A verse that many people 
tend to quote is Isaiah 29.11. It says this. Well, actually, Jeremiah 29.11. It says, you can put it up for me. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. We love that verse. Do you love that verse? God wants to give you a future and a hope. Bars. Okay, God, bars. Like, you're killing it, God. That's what's up. I love that. Give, 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 give God a hand clap right now. That's an awesome. That's amazing. I have a hope and a future for you. That's what he says. But in the context of that scripture, the people of Israel have been taken into slavery. Okay? They're, they're in slavery in Babylon. And they're waiting for the 70th year. And the 70th year comes. The prophecy is told that they're going to be set free. And the time comes. And the prophecy comes from this guy. And what does he say? What does God say? Plant gardens, build houses, make babies. Okay, let's back up. Let's back up. You're like, what are you talking about, Aaron? Right? That's what he says. He goes, plant gardens, build buildings, make babies. What's, what's interesting about this? If you guys are pregnant, you're not going to be running nowhere. Okay, let's be real. All right? If, you're, if you have a home, you are stationary. He goes, put your roots down. Put your roots down. He goes, have a garden. Like you have to water a garden and weed a garden to take care of it. He goes, stay in this place that's seemingly painful because I have a plan for you. He goes, trust me in the in-between. When you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know what's happening next, he goes, I am not done with you. I am not done with you. That God has a way. See how God walked all things? Okay. Like God has a way that he's working in the middle of the in-between. And like we say, context is, context is what? Context is king? No, Jesus is king. Let's back up. Context is bay. Do we say bay still? Yeah. Okay, cool. Context is bay. We're sticking with that one. And that context, we're in the middle of all this craziness that's happening around you. God encourages you. He says, trust me because I have a plan for you. It might not feel good, it might, look, might not even look good, but because God is good, it's going to be okay. It will be okay. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory. Again, according to who he is, he will always take care of all that we need. And again, this verse in Romans 8.28 says, all these things work together for good. But what is good? Like what is, what, what is, what is good even, what does that even mean? To be good. What's a standard of good? Because sometimes to us, the good changes from day to day. In your household alone, your mom might say good might be a C. You're doing great, baby. You got a C. Or it might be a B. might be an A+. It depends on where you are in your household, right? Things shift and change. Good might be killing someone, and good may not be killing someone. In a court of law, they fight over it, and the jury determines whether you go to jail forever or not. Like, what is actually good? Now, Johnny Erickson Tentata, she, she's a, a paraplegic. What happened to her is when she was a, a, a young adult or even a teenager, she jumps into this, this lake, a shallow lake, and ends up being paralyzed from her neck down. She is currently paralyzed from her neck down, goes around the world teaching the gospel, writing books, speaking, encouraging people through her testimony of how God uses that moment or used that moment. Can you imagine from your age right now, how many guys are 15, 16, 17, 18, 22, you're old. Okay, okay, okay. What point is this, right? That, that at that point till 50 so or 60 something, you can't move anything from below your neck. 
And this lady writes in, the, in her book, The God That I Love, she says, sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Again, sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Because sometimes we ask this question, God, why? God, why? I don't understand why all this is happening to me. That may be you. God, why can I stop chasing this person? God, why can I stop being obsessive over guys or girls? God, why can I stop and focus? God, why do I hate my parents? Some of you guys are on that plan, for real. Like, let's be honest amongst, amongst friends. Like, why do I hate myself? Like, where am I in this place right now? Like Paul, he looks outside, he looks inside, and he's disgusted. He looks up and he has the answers. He knows that God sometimes allows these things to happen because, because he has a good for us. This is verse that says that though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So, so great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. He doesn't do it willingly, but he does so knowing that there is an end product. Job's a perfect example of that. Perfect example of that. We're like, gosh, man, look at my servant Job. Have you considered him? Job lost everything, everything, and God left him with like, even more than when he lost. God re restored him ten times more. His wife told him, curse God and die. And he goes, no, he doesn't. He trusts God. I believe that we are actually ill-equipped to understand what, what is actually good. We are not able to understand the process. It's kind of like how when you have... Earlier this morning, if you are here at 11 a.m., uh, J.D. Lasky, shout out J.D. Lasky, anybody? <laughs> Praise God. Uh, resident chaplain, photographer, husband, many things, good guy, good guy, good guy. Uh, made us waffles, right? New Year's, like, we talked about that waffle pancake question, waffles all day. If you don't like me, I'll cancel you, whatever, go away. Uh, the point is this, right? Like, in, in, in this bowl is waffle mix. And maybe I wanted to mix some water in there. Well, there you go. Maybe you're, you're supposed to use milk, but whatever. Hold on. I'm parched. Put water. Okay. Pour it in there, right? And then would you, would you want to eat my mix with water right now? No? Why not? Because it's just water? It's, it's gross. It's disgusting. Okay, what about, what, what if I went in and I added my egg to my mix? Would you, would you then want to, because what happens is in the middle of our lives, we look at all these crazy things happening around us, and it does not make sense in the middle of the process. You're like, God, why am I here now? Some of you guys will like that this season. You're with family over Christmas or Thanksgiving, and you're like, I don't want to be here now. And God's like, I'm working all things. <laughs> I'm making you patient. Well done. Like, this is what he's doing for you, right? And then, there you go. Uh, all right. Now, we're a little further on with our process. We have our flour. We have our water. We have our egg. Let's shake it up a little bit. Would you then still want to have this? Why not? Because in the process, it looks disgusting. 
In the process, it's unfinished. In the process, it looks ugly. In the process is exactly that. It's in process. But the point is this, that you might not know where God is going, but God is not done with you yet. Don't judge the moment by where it is in those circumstances, those moments. God is not done with you yet. He has a plan to fulfill because some of you guys, for the point of our illustration, are going to be donuts. Praise God for the donuts. If you come to the 11 name, you get donuts. Anyway, the point is this, right? There's a finished process that happens. And we're too quick to judge God and to yell at God and to throw our fits or even have a fit when God is still working on us in the process. Trust the Lord in the process. Romans 8.28 again says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He says this, again, that all things are working together for good. For those who have been called according to his purpose. There's a purpose and there's a plan. I, I, I wonder often, like, what is the purpose? And there's many purpose verses in the Bible. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us, if you want to know our God's perfect will, we are to read his word. You're trying to understand where you're supposed to go for college. Read that word. If you're trying to understand who you're supposed to marry. Praise God, Jacob Wood and Sierra. Read that. Hey, hey. Why not? Hey, cool. Anyway, uh, looked like he was mine. I don't know. Anyway, so read that word. If you're trying to figure out all these different things, he goes, read this word. Devour this truth to be able to discern and to gain wisdom. Why? Because God has a purpose, and his plan for us is for us to resemble his son. He wants us to look like Jesus. In fact, ultimately, the reality is he wants us to live and love like Jesus. That's his plan. That's his plan. That's been the plan from the beginning. From Eden, his plan was to make, let us make God, like let's make man in our own image. That's what he says. Let us make someone who looks like, acts, and lives like us. That's his plan for you. And as you look at all these new things, know that God's real new thing is making a new you, a new creation. And he's preparing, he's starting that, that creation in you first. He's making you anew. And as the worship team comes up, there's some things I'm going to have, that we'll have on the screen that will help us figure out what these new things are. What does it mean to be no, new as a believer? What does it mean to trust God? How do I do this? I would encourage you to do these things as you figure out, as you go on this journey. Because this is something, just real quick, you guys are going to know. This is something that happens every day of our life. From day one of your conception as a believer, and once you've trusted this Jesus, you begin this journey of holding on to him and learning who you are in him. And I would encourage you to kick off that journey by one, going to winter camp. Sign up. Get to know this God in quietness away from the busyness of your phone. Like, Spend time in the quietness and seclusion, which is a choice, right? Take, take, take time away to be with God, with people who love God, who know God, to get to know him. Join a small group. Literally, our small group sign-ups never close. Shout out Drew Walton. Where's he at? Yo, that guy, that guy makes sure you're in a group that will love you. He puts you in a group where there's a leader who loves you, who wants to know you, wants to pursue you. 
Three, meet with a leader as you pursue and try to figure out these things. You're like, yo, I'm trying to figure out what it means to, to honor my parents, to stop gossip, what it means to be a person who loves others, just, just to love others. Meet with these people that will not say no. They have tested and seen. They have tasted and seen that this God is good. Meet for coffee. Meet here after winter camp. Like, like make time to meet with these people. And ultimately, the biggest thing for us to know this God is to commit to reading this word. Now, we talked about, again, this Bible reading plan. You guys may be like, that just sounds like fun. I think that just gonna, I'm going to throw over or be done with in like a week or two. If you're serious about making life change in your life, more than just losing weight, more than just, you know, trying to stop smoking weed, like actual life change, where you will become an ambassador, where you change areas and places where you go, then you start by knowing God. Start by knowing this God who took 12 men and then used these men to turn the world upside down. Everywhere they went, they said, who are these people? Fishermen, tax collectors, kids from Westlake, I don't know. Like he used you guys and will use you to turn the world upside down. How do you know this, this is true? How do you know this can happen? Because all the leaders in this room, that's their testimony. They were like you. A guy from Africa probably, probably didn't tell them to do this. But, but someone told them, hey, God loves you and wants to use you to make a difference in this world. But it starts with you holding on to his word, trusting him in his word. I would encourage you, again, Andrew said it earlier, if you don't have a Bible... We have ones that we want to give you and gift to you so you can hold on to this Christ. But ultimately in this room, if you've never given your life to Jesus, that's step one. Okay, that's step one. Saying, I, I am a sinner. I, I have looked inside myself and I've failed. I've looked outside myself and there's no hope. Now you need to look to God. And if you're in this room and you want to make a decision to live for Jesus, I'm going to invite you right now. And if, if you're in this room and you've never heard of this Jesus who gives you peace, and this is your first time hearing this truth, or maybe you've heard this before, and you're like, gosh, like, I, I want to hold on to this Jesus. I would invite you guys in this room, one, to just close your eyes, bow your heads. If this is you and you're in this, this room and this is your first time, you're like, gosh, I, I want this Jesus. Or two, you're like, I need this reset you're talking about, this, this grace that God wants to give me. I invite you to put up your hand when I count to the number of three. And what you're doing is this. You're not saying I'm automatically shifting or I'm changing. You're saying, God, I need you. God, I want you. God, make a change in my life. You guys ready? Here we go. One, God, I need you. Two, God, I want you in my life. Three, God, I want you to make a change. Put up those hands. Praise God. Amen. Lord, I thank you for the two who put up their hands. Lord, I ask that as you have moved in this room, Lord, you are speaking to all of our hearts. You're asking us to trust you in this reset, to trust you in this in-between. And we ask, Lord, that in this boldness of faith of just saying, Lord, here we are. 
that you're going to meet us at our point of hunger. You're going to meet us in the in-between. And you're going to make us new. Lord, I pray a blessing upon those who've put up their hands, Lord, and I ask that you help them hold on to you and make them new. Lord, and for all of us in this room, Lord, as we jump into this next set of worship, Lord God, let us learn to lean on you, to trust you, to speak your name over every situation where there is confusion because your name has power and it can change all situations. Your name establishes your kingdom, Lord. And so, Lord God, help us speak and sing the name of Jesus over all the situations. In your name we pray. Everybody said. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We really hope it blessed you. You can connect with us on social media at CalvaryHSM805. God bless.